0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show Now, because of time constraints, there's a lot more of show than me tonight So, let's get started with a visit with Jack Benny yeah.
2: Jello program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with I Hear Bluebirds. <laughs> As I hear bluebirds played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our master of ceremonies. A man who had his auction picked up last Sunday and now looks ten years younger, Jack Benny.
3: Thank you, thank you. Jalo again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, the fact that I'm in good spirits today and look younger has nothing to do with my contract being renewed. I'm always this way. Now, wait a minute, Jack. When our sponsor
2: came to your house for dinner last Sunday, you were a wreck. Who, me? Why, I never saw anyone so
3: jittery and nervous. Me, jittery?
4: Yes, you. Until Mr. Mortimer picked up your option, you made a darn fool of yourself.
3: What are you talking about?
4: All evening long, it was, have a cigarette, Mr. Mortimer. Have a cigar, Mr. Mortimer. Here, take this chair, Mr. Mortimer. It's softer."
3: Oh, I didn't make such a fuss over him.
4: Go on, he happened to sneeze once, and you sent Rochester out for an oxygen tank. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I just did that for a gag. What's the matter with you two?
4: And the way you waited on him You wouldn't let the man do anything for himself.
3: What do you mean?
4: When his shoelace came undone, who tied it?
3: Mary, I happened to be down on the floor at the time.
4: <laughs>
3: That's the only reason I did it. Well, let me ask you something. Why were you laying on the floor in the first place? What? What was that, Phil? I said, why were you laying on the floor in the first place? Phil, you should be the last one in the world to ask anybody why they're laying on the floor at a party. (laughs) Why, I... I know bare-skin rugs that lead less horizontal lives than you do. (laughs) And incidentally, Phil... You might at least thank me for the good time you had last Sunday. What good time? All we did was play bingo, and our sponsor won every game. Boy, was that oblivious. You mean obvious. (laughs) However, there was nothing obvious about it. Mr. Mortimer is lucky at bingo, that's all. I only called the numbers the way they came up.
4: And the way they came up shouldn't happen to a dog.
3: Oh,
2: forget about it Frankly, Jack, I, I don't know what the rest of us were playing for You let Mr. Mortimer
3: bingo every time All right, so he won the salad bowl
4: <laughs>
3: But don't forget, he paid 25 cents a card, the same as everybody else
4: And that salad bowl was a Christmas gift from Eddie Cantor
3: That's a lie, I got it for my birthday from Olson and Johnson <laughs> Boy, are they cheap Just because they're a team, they give one present <laughs> And incidentally, fellas, seems funny that you can all criticize and complain. Yet not one of you has the courtesy to mention the delicious food I served. While well, you guys all ate like it was your last meal. Well, until he picked up your options, Jackson, we weren't sure.
5: <laughs>
3: Maybe you weren't, Phil, but I wasn't the least bit worried. I knew I was going to be signed up for next season two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yes, I had definite information.
4: Oh, you and that phony fortune teller.
3: Phony? Mary, there's nothing phony about Madame Zuzu. She clicks like a castanet. Why, <laughs> like she's marvelous.
4: Oh, yeah? Four years ago, she told me I was going to marry Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, she said.
3: All right, so she misses once in a while.
4: Why did you have to miss on that one? <laughs>
3: well, just fate, that's all. Even a crystal ball has an off day now and then. Hey, wait a minute. Madam Zuzu, you know, I went to her place once. You did, Phil? Yeah, she told me I was bashful. Ain't that a loo
2: <laughs>
3: Bashful, you of all people. And she was sitting on my lap
2: at the time. I can't understand. Her.
3: <laughs> me neither.
4: I'd like to take that crystal ball and hit her over the head with it.
3: Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? And speaking of Madame Zuzu, fellas, if you knew what she told me about my movie career, you'd all be plenty excited. What did she tell you, Jack? Never mind. You'll read it in the paper next winter. Come on, Jackson, tell us. No, nothing doing. It's a secret. Okay. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Madam Zuzu looked in the crystal... And guess who's going to win the Academy Award next year? Guess who?
4: She ought to be rated.
3: All right, just for that, Mary, you're not going with me to the Academy Banquet and hear my acceptance speech.
4: Your acceptance speech?
3: Yes, I'm preparing it now.
4: Oh, don't write anything that you can't switch to a letter to your father.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. I wouldn't laugh too soon. By the way, Jack,
2: not changing the subject, but uh, while Madame Zuzu was giving you the lowdown on your option, did she mention who's going to be your announcer next season?
3: Well, I imagine you're the lucky man, Don. Although there wasn't room for you in the crystal. But, uh, I'm sure you're set. And we'll have the same little comedian, eh, Mary?
4: Darn it. And I picked out linen and dishes and everything.
3: Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? Anyway, Don...
4: Forget, he says.
3: Married Anyway, Don, it looks like we'll have the same old gang again next year Madam Zuzu saw all of us together in her crystal ball She better see a lot more of that green stuff in there You can count me (laughs) out. What do you mean? Well, I want a raise I started to work for you four years ago And I'm still getting the same lousy salary Well, you got the same lousy band (laughs) motto Phil as ye play so shall I pay now wait a minute what's wrong with my band what's wrong hmm you've got three violins that no one's ever heard a guitar a guitar player who got a strings from a yo-yo top two piano players that have to put a nickel in for every number and a brass section that must have a sideline. <laughs> and you asked for more money. Well, there's no hard trying. All right, you tried.
5: <laughs>
3: Incidentally, Phil, I've got your contract here in my pocket. So right after the broadcast, I want you to put your usual X on the dotted line. I understand. I can print Phil Harris now. I know. I saw it all over the wall. (laughs) Stop showing off. Well, I guess that takes care of our contract problems for next season.
6: You haven't straightened things out with me yet, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello,
3: Dennis. Uh, I thought, uh, Dennis, I thought I mailed you a contract to sign. You did, but my mother tore it up. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. Supposing you and I go in the other room and talk matters over about next season. I guess we can come to an agreement.
6: Well, my mother
3: says... Come along, that... Dennis. Now, Phil... <laughs> Phil, while... Uh, Phil, while we're in the other room transacting a deal, how about playing a number? Okay, you great big business man. <laughs> Uh, come along, Dennis, my boy. Well, my come mother... Come along now.
4: Oh, Phil. What? Play loud so we can't hear Dennis screaming.
2: Down, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra, and very good, Phil. Say, uh, Mary, is Jack in the other room yet?
4: Yes, yeah, he's still talking business with Dennis.
2: The kid must be holding out.
4: Yeah, I'm going to open the door and listen.
2: Oh, now wait a minute, Mary. That isn't ethical. Ethical, schmethical. Let's listen in, babe.
4: <laughs> I will. Now, quiet.
3: Sure, Dennis. Sure, I know you're worth it, but. A little too steep
6: Well, my mother says That next year I ought to get $500 a week $500, eh? Uh Uh-huh
3: Well Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis
4: They're still at it, boys
3: How's Dennis making out?
4: He's in the neighborhood of $500 But I don't think he'll move in there
2: (laughs) You know, that Benny's terrific You know, he's the guy That started the second cup of coffee His free movement
4: (laughs) Yeah, what a character Well,
2: I think we ought to Get going on with the program Uh, See
3: how they're coming along, Mary Okay Absolutely, Dennis, I agree with you, but my budget won't permit it
4: Well, my mother says look, Dennis, that Look,
3: Dennis, <laughs> look Dennis, would you be satisfied with $250 a week? 250 Oh, sure, that's swell I see <laughs> Hmm Well, now look, Dennis, you're young yet, and you've got your whole future ahead of you I'll tell you what I'll do
4: Well, it's still going on.
3: What's the latest report?
4: Ceiling 500, Vision 250. (laughs) It looks bad.
2: Why don't the kid walk out on him?
4: He can't. Jack's sitting on his chest. (laughs) It looks like an all-day session. Now, quiet, everybody.
3: You're right, Dennis. You're absolutely right. But $85 a week is a lot of money. After all, you're just a kid I can't breathe Move down a little, will you? I'm, uh... I'm sorry, Dennis Now, let's talk this over carefully I'm sure we can get together I'll tell you what
4: Well, that beats everything
3: What's the figure now, Mary? Mary
4: Eighty-five, and they haven't struck bottom.
3: I never saw a guy as tight as Jack. You remember that Gladys Zabisco he used to go with? Yeah. Well, he broke up with her because she took appetite pills.
4: And he was nuts about her, too. Well, here goes for another peek. Quiet now, fellas.
3: Okay, Dennis, it's a deal. $37.50 a week. (laughs) Sign right here on the dotted line.
5: What's going on here?
3: Dennis, please, here's the pen, sign right here Well, I ought to speak to my mother first All right, now here's what you tell her
4: It's the last round and Dennis is on the ropes
3: What was Jack's final offer?
4: $37.50 a week
2: $37.50? Why, the kid's getting $37 now
4: Yeah, but I guess Jack feels he ought to have a raise You know
3: Well, let's go ahead with the program, fellas We're all set, eh, Dennis? Yeah, I guess so Hey, Dennis what did Jackson offer you for next season?
6: Well, I'm going to... Don't ge- tell
3: him, Dennis. Don't tell him. We don't want the others to be jealous of you.
4: Holy smoke. Am I making more money than they are?
3: <laughs> Could be. Could be.
4: You know what, Jack? What? You save more money by accident than Harry Lauder does on purpose.
3: Oh, yeah? Well, Mary, I'd be quiet if I were you. Uh, Madam Zuzu looked in the crystal the other day, and you were wrapping up a pair of stockings. <laughs> And now, Dennis, now that everything has been smoothed out to our mutual satisfaction, how about singing a nice song for us? Okay. What's it going to be, Dennis? I'm
6: going think... to sing...
3: Hold it a minute. I'll take it.
6: Hello? Hello, Mr. Dennis
3: Rochester. Oh, it's you. Rochester, if you'd listen to the program, you wouldn't always call up and interrupt in the middle of it. Why don't you tune in once in a while? Well, frankly, boss, you don't do the kind of stuff that intrigues me. <laughs> I know You won't listen to any program Where you don't tear something off Send it in and get something back <laughs> Now what do you want? What's on your mind?
6: Well, boys, you know Hollywood
2: Park Racetrack Opened last Thursday? Yes And you know how cheap oats are right now?
3: Oats? What are you driving at? I bought a racehorse Can I keep him in the garage?
2: <laughs>
3: you bought a racehorse? Rochester, how can you possibly afford to buy a horse on your salary? Well, I paid $2 down, and I got 30 days to raise the other 1800 You mean you have to raise $1,800 in 30 days? Yeah, ain't that fantastic? It certainly is. How are you going to get that much money in one lump? My back pay would do it. Rochester, if you're referring to your investment in the Benny Protective and Endowment Association... (laughs) That doesn't mature until you're 40. I'll be 40 tomorrow. That's a lie. (laughs) Now, Rochester, you take that horse back to wherever you got it. There's no room for it in the garage. There is now. I put the Maxwell out in the street for the summer. (laughs) I'll put it right back in again I don't want my car out in the street Somebody will come along and steal it I'd like to get a picture of that I could sell it to pick, click, or flick (laughs) (laughs) Rochester, I'm not going to argue with you Now you get rid of that broken down nag he ain't a broken-down naggy one over a hundred races. One? All right, run. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's
3: more like it. Now, you do as I say. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, boss. What is it now? Uh, I don't like Section 8, Paragraph D of my new contract. What's wrong with it? Section 8 says you get $30 a week. I know, but Paragraph D says a week is 14 days. <laughs> Trying out something new. (laughs) Anyway, we'll discuss that when I get home. Goodbye. Goodbye. The idea of buying a racehorse. He'd probably have me out in the morning clocking it. He'll never get up. Well, sing, Dennis. Don't stand there like a dodo.
6: Surrendered to a side. Where was I? The moment came But what a shame That someone else came by For you my love was strong for you. I sang a song to you.
3: racehorse he has to have. Oh, well. That was Where Was I, sung by Dennis Day, who I'm sure will be with us for many years to come. Yes, sir.
6: Why, ever get smart. Watch out. (laughs) Now,
3: Dennis, you say one more thing like that, and I'm going to take you in the next room and give you a good talking to.
4: Boy, will he be (laughs) flat-chested.
3: Never mind. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, Mr. Don Wilson, that eminent American playwright, has written another of his famous one-act plays a hillbilly melodrama entitled The Code of the Hills," Or shoot me in the pants, Zeke, the rest is store (laughs) clothes. Set the scene, Mr. Wilson. Gladly.
2: The locale, ladies and gentlemen, is the cabin of the Jake Bennys in a remote section of the Ozarks. The Jake Bennys are in the midst of a feud with their longtime enemies and neighbors, the Fudd Allens.
3: Oh, pardon me, Don. I would like to announce, folks, that any resemblance between the Fudd Allen and our play... And the Fred Allen of radio is purely intentional. (laughs) If he's not a hillbilly, I never saw one. (laughs) Go ahead, Don.
2: It is six o'clock in the evening, and the shooting has been going on all day. Curtain, music.
4: gone away, Pa. Supper's
3: awaiting. Be right there, Ma.
4: A-shootin' and a-killin' a-shootin' and a-killin'. When Where is it gonna stop?
3: We ain't gonna quit till them Allens are wiped out. There ain't room in these you hills for the both of
4: us. You said it, Pappy.
3: Get away from them doors, Zeb.
4: Say, Pa, what have you and got again to Fudd Allen?
3: I'll tell you what I got again Him. One night I asked Fudd how many hairs on a monkey's face. And he said, the next time you shave, count them.
5: <laughs> he
3: knew I couldn't count. <laughs> well, I ain't a tearin' for that kind of city talk, and I ain't forgetting. Hey, son, barricade that double door.
6: Ooh, Pappy. Son. They've got me, Pappy. They've got me.
3: They un's got our boy, Zeb. Shot him right through the doors.
4: I didn't know he was a-wearing <laughs> I'll
3: get them Allens for this. Kids don't grow on bushes. No serene.
6: I'm-a-going, Pappy. I'm-a-getting weaker and weaker. Goodbye, Pappy. Goodbye, Mo. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
3: Well, what do we got for supper, Ma? Lunch. Good. (laughs) Dish it out. Howdy, Uncle Jake. Hello, thou, Twitch. (laughs)
4: Hey, Twitch, you shouldn't be walking around with your left arm shot up like that.
2: Well, I've been a-seeking some cords to tie it up with. It keeps a-falling
4: off. (laughs) You know,
3: Twitch, I don't like the way that arm of yours keeps a-dropping off. It might be ailing. What's that you got under your other arm?
2: My right leg. <laughs> oh.
3: Well, put it in the umbrella stand and come to supper. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, gone. I wish the allens would hold off when we get through eating.
6: I'm a goin', Pappy. I'm a goin'.
3: Take your time, son. <laughs> the coffee, Ma. Hey, Jake, what happened to Cousin Zeb? One of the Allens plugged him. Have some coffee, Twitch. Oh, gone. Don't those Allens know it's supper time? By the way, Ma, where's our daughter, Lindy Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon? <laughs> Where is she?
4: She went down to the village to buy a girdle. Had her heart set on it.
3: A girdle? Oh, boy, we can
2: have some hotcakes. cakes. That's
4: griddle! <laughs>
3: What's a girdle, Ma?
4: Something them city gals are wearing. It's like a sweater, only it snaps at you.
3: By gum, what'll they be thinking up next? Here she is now. Hello, Lindy Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon.
4: Hello, Pappy. Hello, Ma. Hello, Lindy Lou, Nettie Belle. I mean, Lily Mae. I mean, Nettie Mae. Oh, nuts. Hello. Hello. <laughs>
3: We ends up been a worrying about you, gal. You shouldn't be out of doors at a time like this.
4: Why not? Them Allens couldn't hit the broadside of a barn.
3: No, but they could hit yours. <laughs> Sit down, gal.
2: Say, Uncle Jake. What is it, Tweet? Look out the window. Ain't that one of them Allens sneaking up on us?
3: Either that or a polecat. Give him a rifle, Ma. Watch out, Paul. Watch He missed me.
4: Oh, yeah? Where's your ear?
3: Dog gone, and I wanted to hear the Fitch bandwagon. Come on, Twitch, grab a gun. That'll teach them vomins.
4: I was saying that we would stop this darn feud.
3: Not for Alan. He's a feudin' this man in these hills. I wonder what makes him so feudy. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Ma! Pass me the sugar. All gone, then. Pick up that spoon, Ma.
4: Never mind. I'll get you another one. I want that one. My
3: hands on it.
4: <laughs> Thanks. A shooting and a killing. A shooting and a killing. How many more pages to this play?
3: Can't be many. Here comes Porky Wilson now. Hello, Porky. Hello, Jake. Say, what happened to Zeb? Them Allens done plugged him. And none of us ain't
2: safe till this feud is over. I am. I'm so big they're scared to shoot at me. Why, them Allens is as yellow as, uh, as, uh, as, uh... Bananas. And speaking of bananas, ladies and gentlemen, do you realize how marvelous they are when sliced over a dish of tempting and appetizing? Now dessert? hold on, now Wilson. Did you write this play just to get that in? This gelatin dessert is not only economical and easy to make, but comes in six delicious flavors. Why you? So look for the big red letters on the box. They spell. Hey, sir. They spell Jell-O. Omni.
6: jell. J e l l. Me
3: too. Well, that's all for tonight, folks. Will the Jig Bennies win the feud? Will the Fudd Allens be wiped out? Will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Clem, will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Snake, will Porky Wilson recover?
6: I don't know. Hey, Sam! Let us it go! It's not important! My goodness! Play, Phil! <laughs>
1: Stay tuned for Philip Marlowe, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for another exciting case involving that private detective, Philip Marlowe. This episode first aired in 1950 and is called The Soft Spot.
7: Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison of the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn...
1: From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in *The Adventures of Philip Marlowe*. <laughs> now, with Gerald Moore starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, *The Soft Spot*. <laughs> so much for the news from abroad. Here in Los Angeles, two persons were killed and eight injured today in three separate automobile accidents attributed directly to the thick fog that has blanketed the city ever since yesterday morning. Mm. And according to the Weather Bureau, the fog which is rolling in from the sea will be with us for...
7: Fog, smog, everything's cock Hello. Philip Marlowe, please. Earl Hanley speaking. This is Marlowe. How are you, Mr. Hanley? How's oh. the newspaper circulation business? Horrible oh, zooming, Philip. Oh, uh, look, Marlowe. Can you come out to my joint on Las Vegas Boulevard, 3810... I'd like you to work for me again. And, uh, you write your own ticket as usual. Uh, no, no, thanks. They play too rough in your league, Hanley. <laughs> Besides, it's a bum night to ride around in a cold newspaper truck watching out for hijackers. No, 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 no Marlowe. It's nothing like that. This is personal business. Oh? it's an old man who's disappeared. I'd like you to find him for me. It's still a dark night. Double your fee. I see a light, Mr. Hanley. <laughs> Outside, the city was wrapped up tight in the kind of wet, ceiling-zero fog that leaves you feeling damp and all alone. Hanley's joint on Los Feliz was an old English stone mansion, sprawling, smothered in ivy, and about as cozy and come hither as a scream in the night. Inside, I followed an aging, round-shouldered butler whose footsteps didn't make any noise along the type of high, wide, nice, cold, furnished corridor you find only in museums. When we finally arrived at Hanley's study, however, things changed. It was a small room with bright lights, heat, and a desk cluttered with friendly bric-a-brac. Hanley himself was standing against the far wall, and for a moment, the contrast was jarring... because the self-made man in shirt sleeves, built like a boxcar and chewing on a cold cigar... didn't at all match the collection of stiff family photos, 1890-style, that hung on the wall behind him. What is it, Marlowe? Hard to find the family resemblance? From here... Your folks, Mr. Hanley? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Left to right. Uh, my mother. She passed on a year ago, oh. and me as a kid. My father, a lush, and uh, my grandfather. <laughs> he claimed to have killed more Indians than ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> All born and raised in a lot of nothing. Walker Falls. Couldn't hold you, huh? Uh-uh. Couldn't bring me back either, even when Ma died. Yeah, I was only a little tech when I ran away, Mono. Couldn't stand my grandfather even then but a rod and a bottle. Bad combo. How about your father? Oh, I wrote a few nice words to him when sister wrote me that Ma died. And I sent a fat check for flowers and a tombstone, but yeah, he never answered. Mm. Probably drank the dough up. He never could save a buck in his own, they tell me. Anyhow, enough of letting our hair down now, Marlowe. Let's get on to business. Sit down. See. Oh, thanks, sure. you uh, You said someone disappeared, Mr. Hanley, an old man? Uh, yeah. yeah there was a gardener here, Marlowe. His Her name's Cooper, John Cooper. He's 60, 65 maybe, tall and skinny. <laughs> and he got a fringe of curly hair around his ears. The rest is strictly cue ball. And he shoved off yesterday. With what, Hanley? Uh, with... Uh. <laughs> yeah, you catch on fast, Phil. Uh, you know, it's my trade. Yeah, Look. yeah. Uh, well, the stuff don't amount to too much. Uh, half a dozen fancy silver drinking glasses, those... Uh, goblets? Uh, goblets, yeah, yeah goblets. Uh, worth about a hundred apiece, nothing that'll dent me... Also, I'm insured, of course. Well, then the goblets mean something else. They do. Um, let's call them a present from a lady. All right, let's. <laughs> I want them back, Mon. Why me? Why not the insurance company or the law? No. Mm-hmm. No, that I don't want. <laughs> and if you laugh when I tell you the reason, I'm going to punch you right square in the nose. And have some scotch. No, thanks. You? Go ahead. Well, drink alone, then, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this old duck Cooper, you know. I feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came in here one day last week, hat in hand, looking to beat as an alley cat. So I gave him a job helping one of the gardeners, but uh, I was on to him right from the start. What does that mean? He was a gardener like I'm a ballet dancer. Oh. Yeah, I could tell. <clears throat> and from there on, it got worse. First couple of days, he watched me and everybody else around here pop-eyed as a shoplifter loose in Tiffany's. But you didn't fire him? No, no. Now well, I figured a few square meals, some sleep, a little dough in his pocket, he'd calm him down. So I just put a new master padlock in my trophy room and let her go with it. That was your mistake, huh? Yeah, yeah. But uh, just so you don't think I'm losing my marbles, Phil, I better tell you about another mistake. But i uh, going to have to make this short dinner guess, you out. Another mistake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifteen years ago, Phil, I was in a spot just like this, Cooper. Yeah, I was broke, hungry, mad at the world, and in a position to do the wrong thing. I did, and I got caught. But the boss understood, read me the riot act, and let me go. All right, today, it's my turn. Wanna laugh? Not very much. Tell me, what have you got for me to go on? Well, thin air. Ah, but you're good, Muller. You'll make out. Name nice. and description. I already give you that. All right, here's the rest of it, according to the servants. One, uh, he lived somewheres around Skid Row. Mm -hmm. Two, he never touched anything that kicked harder than ginger ale. And uh, that he went for in a big way. Three, he had a buddy in his neighborhood who was teaching him how to whittle. Uh, You know, make stuff, carving wood. Yeah, I know. And that's it, huh? Well, that plus the fact that he smoked these pint-sized cigars. We found a pack of them. The overalls are one.
0: Here they are. Mm -hmm.
7: They're called Aces Up. Made in a downtown L.A. shop, also on Skid Row. Oh, the address is in the box there. Could help? Could. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> see what I can do, Mr. Hanley. Okay, okay Marlowe. Call me as soon as you get close, will you? Sure. Oh, and uh, Marlowe. Yeah? I uh, I want those goblets pretty bad, uh, but uh, <laughs> take care of the old man, will you? I know what you mean. Yeah. Also, Hanley, I think it's a pretty decent thing that you... Yeah, you're... yeah, well, you'll have to excuse me, Marlowe. I got a change for my guess. I- I'll talk to you, huh? I followed Hanley back along the museum corridor Past the guests who included a spy, beautiful lady Dressed in too much black Chatting with a crisp item in Banker's gray flannel Who looked like he'd been born holding an hors d'oeuvre I didn't see how they could have much in common with their host But when the big front door, is closed behind me I forgot about them And concentrated on finding a needle in a haystack uh, A needle in a haystack and a fog yet. Well, the tobacco manufacturer responsible for the handmade black rope called Aces Up was my first try. His shop was a two-by-four dirty glass storefront labeled H. Andrade. In dry, peeling gold foil, that flaked off when I opened and closed the front door. And what had to be the proprietor was alone, rolling cigars on a rickety table that was stacked high with damp, dark tobacco leaves. He didn't look up when I described the man I was after fast if he'd seen him. A moment later, when he did turn his head my way to answer, I realized why. I am sorry, senor. I don't see nobody. I am blind. Fine start, huh? And for some cockeyed reason, like the fog or the kind of man I was after or the neighborhood of derelicts I moved through, which could have used a few sprays of sweet air, didn't get any better. Not at least for the next hour, during which I stuck to the wood carving angle and covered every possible tie-in I could think of including a visit to a nearby home for retired men of the sea. Looking for someone who's teaching a man to whittle? That's right. He's teaching an old man named John Cooper. Ever hear of him? No, can't say I have. But lots of lads here whittle. Why don't you have a chat with them? Okay, I In will... In the morning. They're all bedded down now, mate. Wouldn't want to pipe them out over a silly question like yours, would you? Uh, no. No, Skipper. Let him sleep. <laughs> Right there, the whittling went the way of aces up cigars, and I turned to my last hope. John Cooper's minia for ginger ale. However, asking about that in the cheap, noisy bars that dotted Main Street was even a sillier question. And it gave all the local comics their big break. Finally...
1: Straight ginger ale, you say, huh? Now, let me see. I get so many orders for it, you know. It could have been the time Carrie Nation stopped in, or, uh, Was it the night some joker who was eating pig's knuckles called for a finger ball? Now, look,
7: bright eyes. Let's work a little less on the gags and a little more on... Hey, see that guy over there in the corner booth, the little fellow whittling on that stick? You know him? Come on, come on. Here's five for your trouble. Who is he?
1: The name is Skeeter. Been doing his drinking and wood chopping here for five years.
7: Is he always alone?
1: Not always. Sometimes he has a buddy with him. Lately, an old boy, he's trying to teach how to cut them
7: poles. Oh.
1: A guy who never orders nothing at all, so don't get started... What does Skeeter drink? Skeeter? Yeah. Why, he always has bourbon in. And...
7: Yeah, bourbon and ginger ale. Uh-huh. The guy you want must drink Skeeter's chases, huh? That figures, thanks.
1: Well, don't mention it, Screwball. A profitable pleasure. Only with
7: <laughs> light eyes. Making me nervous. What is it, mister? Lose something? Sort of. John Cooper. Oh. Have you seen him, Skeeter? He told me I could get in touch with him through you here at this bar. Said you were a friend. And I am. Say, is he in trouble, mister? Maybe. What makes you ask? Because he didn't show tonight. And last night he was all out of sorts. Had something on his mind. Couldn't pay attention to the lesson I was giving him. Is it bad? No, not if I can get next to him in a hurry. Tell me, Skeeter, do you know where he, where he stays? Sure do. A rat hole over on South Spring, number two... Hey, wait. Uh You ain't a cop, are you? Oh, no. A friend, Skeeter. Yeah? What kind of cigars does he smoke? Friend? Ace is up. Do I pass? Uh Uh-huh. It's 210 South Spring. 210 South Spring. Uh Thanks. So long, Skeeter. I'll get in touch if I need any more help. Sorry, buddy. I was in a hurry. I didn't see you. You lost up my shoeshine, sweetheart. Where are you running? Get your mitts off. I said I was sorry. What do you want? The dime you invested in the shiny? Your ears slapped down into the pockets of that zoot suit. Which? Okay, okay. We'll let it go. I thought we would. So long again, Skeeter, and thanks. After I made my call to my client and told him how we stood, I drove the half a dozen blocks to 210 South Spring Street. The place was the kind of stale-smelling, beer-can-lidded, dingy, two-story affair that... Made you wonder if the garbage collector got around anymore. When I knocked on the cracked glass front door that sported a laundry shirt cardboard that said rooms for rent and eyebrow pencil, I was ready for anything. And that's what I got. Puffy red eyes, bad teeth, smell of cheap gin, all in a cold cream, shiny face that was half hidden by enough bleached blonde hair to stuff an ottoman.
8: Hey, handsome, I can catch my death of cold here. What's up? You the landlady? No, she passed out. Uh-huh. I was drinking with her, so I'll do. What do you want?
7: An old man named John Cooper. Is he in?
8: A skinny duffer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I seen him earlier. It's that door back there, the one on the right. Hey! Hey, Jockey! What do you want back there? Where are you going? Let's see you. This way, Miss.
7: Hey, was that Cooper's room the fella just came out of, last on the right?
8: Yeah, that's it. That louse probably swiped your friend's bottle. He's the kind. Mm. Empty. Too bad. You know, he drinks you under the table and then takes what's left.
7: Which in this case would be ginger ale. Cooper doesn't drink.
8: Yeah? Oh, well, I didn't know about that. <laughs> hey! Hey, you got company? Hey, Cooper! <laughs> Lights on.
7: Try the knob, huh? Hey,
8: you're kind of anxious.
7: Yeah.
8: It's huh? your game, mister. <laughs> he doesn't drink, huh? What do you call that spread eagle position on the floor?
7: Nothing? No. Not with that knife in his chest. I call that murder.
1: In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Philip Marlowe, but first... One of your favorite laugh shows and stars, My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball, will return to CBS this Saturday night. Formerly heard on Sunday nights, Lucille Ball and her favorite husband will now be heard on most of these same CBS stations every Saturday night. Be listening this Saturday when Lucille plunges that favorite husband into a mad and merry mix-up over who is the town's best or worst-dressed man. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe, and tonight's story, The Soft Spot.
7: The old man's body was rumpled in death like a discarded bundle of rags, loosely pinned at the center with a knife that had killed him. And as the frowzy blonde gradually realized he was dead, the look on her face was dumb, slack-mouthed revulsion.
8: Gee, death's an awful-looking thing, ain't it? Ain't it? Hey, don't touch him, Mister. It don't seem decent. To...
7: Decency is strictly relative, sister. Hmm. There's a scratch here on his neck, like a woman's fingernail raked it.
8: Hmm? Where? Hey, his locket's gone.
7: Locket? Yeah. This old guy wore a locket.
8: Yeah, I seen it on him yesterday when the cops hauled off that redhead from upstairs. This old guy was shaving and he came out in the hall without his shirt on to watch, and I seen the locket around his neck.
7: What did it look like?
8: It was a little square one on a gold chain. Now it ain't there.
7: Hmm. Ripped off and in a hurry. That much old gold's not worth murder even in this backwash. Baby, what do you use for closets?
8: Closets? Are you mm. kidding? In this dump, you hang your stuff on the plumbing and like it. Why?
7: Ah, well, then there's no place here that six big silver goblets could be hiding, I guess.
8: Ah, you couldn't hide a shot glass in this joint. Not for long, anyway.
7: Well, the old boy travel light. There's nothing here but... What? And...
8: Hey, what'd you find?
7: Hmm? What'd you find? Oh, oh, this newspaper story on the table. Torn out of the day before yesterday's paper, it says. Nelson Root, wealthy Beverly Hills broker, dies in a freak car smasher. Food survived by his wife, former showgirl, Evelyn Lansing. Now, what do you me?
8: suppose that old guy was saving that for? To have sold his shoes with, maybe?
7: Oh, sure. Now, look, as long as you get your brain in gear, tell me where I can find that guy who ran out of here.
8: Chalky? Yeah. Hey, listen, mister, I don't want to get mixed up in this. I just live here and... I'm back I here. I...
7: You're already mixed up in it.
8: Yeah, but that Chalky's awful hard, mister. I wouldn't want to cross now, him. Now,
7: listen, that old man there was murdered. Remember, it's for keeps. You tell me, here and now are the cops down at headquarters. Come on, where does he live?
8: I don't know for sure. I think I heard once he's got a shack in the alley behind some warehouse over on San Pedro Street.
7: Which warehouse?
8: I don't know. Honest, I don't know. Hey, you might find out at Dooley's Diner. I think he shoots craps over there.
7: Okay. Thanks, baby. And do yourself another favor before you cool off. Call the police. It took a solid hour of devious back alley trails before I finally broke down the intimidated loyalty of the Skid Row Brotherhood with a... Well-placed $10 bill and got a bona fide lead. In the thick fog that crawled along the alley, Chalky's shack had all the welcome home look of a wet gutter. It was wedged in under the hulking concrete base of an overpass like like dirt under a giant fingernail. A sick yellowish light oozed out through a single tiny window, too murky to see into. So I did the next best thing and hoped that he was alone inside.
1: Who's there? Who
7: is it? I, uh, I got a tip for you, Chalky. Dooley sent me. It's about the Johns. They're after you.
1: Cops. Hey, wait a minute. Now, what's the tip, fellow. What... Hey. Hey, where are you? Right here, Chalky. <coughs> now
7: stay where you are, Buster. I'll kick your head off.
1: Hey. Hey, what's the idea?
7: I want fast answers, Chalky. Nice straight ones. Why you knife, the old guy, tonight?
1: Knife, the old... Hey, who are you? What's the idea?
7: Hey. <coughs> I want answers, not questions, Chalky. Why'd you do
1: it? I didn't. I didn't kill him. I never used a shiv. He was already dead when I went in there. I lifted that locket off to the old coot, that's all, so help me. Give me that locket. I ain't got it no more. Ma Murphy's got it now. I I hocked it already. She gave me three and a quarter on it. Look, I, I got a buck left. If you want that, yeah, you can have lying. it. You're lying, grifter. You're
7: killing old man to get the trinket for two cents. No, 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 no
1: I didn't. I seen that guy with the big ears. Run out of the old coot's room, so I went up to wait take a, minute, a look. Wait a
7: minute, wait a minute. Guy with
1: big ears? Yeah. yeah he was a zoot suitor. I i never seen him around before. I, I'd remember them flaps of his. Oh. He, he ran out of the old guy's joint in the big steams. Hey, now listen, buddy. He was the guy who done it honest. Ain't no doubt about it. He was the guy... Hey, now wait a minute. You uh, you ain't a friend of his, are you? He
7: is again. No hey. reason, unless he was 10.
1: Oh, now listen, buddy. I reason. never put the finger on the guy before in my life. But when it's protecting my own height, finger. I got to... Do...
7: Yeah, I could have been the finger. So long, Chalky, and drop dead. <laughs> It was still foggy outside, but my own personal fog began to lift. Big ears must have been tailing me, overheard me on the phone and got to the old man first. But why? Why the clipping that old man Cooper had about Nelson Root's accident? Nelson Root survived by a widow. A widow? Holy smoke! Callahan of the Daily Star gave me half a dozen pictures of Evelyn Lansing Root. From her early cheesecake days right on up to the role of widow in mourning, there was no doubt left. She was the lady in black, one of my client's dinner guests. By the time I'd driven through the fog out to Las Feliz again and up to Hanley's sprawled out house, I'd lined the whole business up to where it made a twisted kind of sense. There was nothing left to do but nap in his lap. I found him in his study. What's wrong, Marlow? Maybe you better tell me. Tell you what. Did you find Cooper or didn't you? Sure. I found him. I found him dead. What? The old man is dead. You know perfectly well he's dead. Come on, Marlo. sit down. Have a drink and a be. No, thanks. I've covered a lot of ground tonight, most of it pretty slimy. Led me in a big circle. It started here and ends here, and now it's late. We're both fairly intelligent. Let's give each other a break, shall we? Go on. Bro. Let's suppose that a man was in love with a woman, a married woman, who was tired of her husband. So? So, uh, she and the man arranged for the husband to die in a freak uh, accident. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And let's suppose a strange old geezer overheard them plan it and then disappeared. Oh, that's rough, rough. I imagine they'd have to find him and shut him up, wouldn't they? Or he'd blackmail him to death. Possibly. And how do you suppose they go about that, Hanley? Hire a private detective, maybe? Give him a song and a dance about a theft, a trumped-up story about some missing silver goblets, maybe? Maybe. Only, uh he'd be much too reputable to do their killing. Yeah, so they'd hire a professional killer, one with big ears, to follow the detective. And when the old man was located, the killer would step in and go to work with a knife. And then vanish completely, because he'd be a good professional man. Well, Hanley? Well, Marlowe. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that's a, that's a great yarn. Yeah, but a little fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> oh, good boy, that's the way I figure. It. Too weird to take seriously. Not only I'm gonna make it stick. Marlo, you try to embarrass me with a crackpot theory like that, and I'll make you the laughing stock of this state, do you hear? I'll have you hooted right out of the business. Because you don't have one shred of proof, Marlowe, and you'll never be able to get one. And what's more, you know it. Don't you? don't get your hands off me, Hanley. Sure. <laughs> oh, come on, Phil. Come on, come on. Hey, let's have that drink now, and then you go on home and forget all about this, huh? Joy? Sure. <laughs> Oh after all, the old jerk was just a skid road drifter. he didn't belong any place who'll ever miss him. He was nobody, Phil, get it? <laughs> Mr. Nobody. He's no law, so let's just forget him, Marlow. Well, Marlo, wait a minute. Marlow, come back here. I had to get out. What made it even worse to us that I knew he had me. I couldn't even begin to prove the first word of what I knew was the truth. I couldn't sleep with it either. That was why an hour later I leaned against the lamppost back on Skid Row again and looked across a lifeless intersection through the eddying fog at the gaunt flophouse where (laughs) the old man had died. Well, well, well. A wayfaring stranger in the night.
1: Hiya, pal. Bated. Wait a minute, wayfaring stranger. Couldn't you accommodate me to the extent of a match or would that break your back?
7: Here. Keep him.
1: Thanks. Why don't you go home, pal? Hmm? Nothing happens here on Cooper Street after 2 in the a.m.
7: As a matter of fact, nothing happens anywhere anymore Cooper Street. Cooper? That's one right out of the book. I'll bet 50 bucks on it. Nine out of ten, they'll take the name of a street. Huh? Who? Never mind. You live around here? You're kidding. Where's Ma Murphy's pawn shop?
1: Easy. Watch the lapels, pal. Well, come on. Where is it? Ma's joint is three blocks down on Filbert. Downstairs, middle of the block. There's no romance there,
8: pal. I still got the good notion to call the cops, the idea. Getting me out of a warm bed in the middle of the night to give you a look at a cheap little locket. And all on a dizzy hunch, you said.
7: Yeah, a wild one. You know the locket I mean, Ma. Come on, trot so it out. Uh...
8: That'll do you no good anyway, Sonny can't sell it to you for
7: 30 days yet. The law, you know. Yeah, sure. But you've been waking at the law so long, you're blind in one eye, Ma. <laughs> is
8: that so? Well, here you are. See, is it hot, Sonny?
7: I'll know in a minute. It's the inside. I want to see if it's...
8: Ooh. What is it, Sonny? Is something the matter?
7: Yeah, my hunch paid off, Ma. It's hot, all right. Hot enough to burn a guy to death. Here's my card. I'm taking this along.
8: What? Hold on a minute, Hugh.
7: Hey, stop. I'll call the cop. Don't bother, honey. I'll call him myself. <laughs> the lights were still on in Earl Hanley's study, so I pulled over and parked on the street and went up the walk on foot. And as I moved to the door, the fog slid around me in thick swirls. When Hanley answered, his face was hard and ugly. Got a gun in his hand. Our business is over with, Marlow. Not quite, Hanley. What do you want? I got a tag for our fantastic little just suppose story. You're either drunk or stupid, Marlowe. I warned you once, now beat it. Not till you've heard my punchline, Hanley. It goes like this. Suppose a wife died after 40 years of marriage and left her husband alone. A lonely, lost old man who's mellowed with the years. Suppose he doesn't have much time left himself and he knows it, but he's got an obsession. An old unhappiness he wants to set straight. He wants to see a fella, not cause any trouble. Just be around where he can look at him now and then. Come on, get to the point. Sure, this is the point, Hanley. Huh? Here. Here, take it. Where did you get this locket, Marlon? Where, where? Just suppose it has your picture in one side and your mother's in the other. What then? I, I gave this locket to my mother when I was a kid. Where did you get it? Come on, tell me. It came from around the neck of a harmless, sentimental old man who was stabbed to death tonight by a hired killer. But... He'd never have turned you in or blackmailed you, Hanley. Because that old man was your father. I, you, I, I had my own father killed. I, I, I ordered my own father's death. I didn't know it. Yeah. Mr. Nobody, remember? Come on, Hanley, give me the gun. We can go now. Hanley went quietly... All the way, he kept a little locket clenched in his fist. But as I led him up the stairs of police headquarters, he broke loose long enough to shatter both his hands against the marble pillar. He wound up in a straitjacket. But it didn't matter much because... when they picked up Evelyn Ruth, the lady in too much black, she filled in the rest of the story, including a lead to Big Ears. When it was over and I was sitting outside in my car, alone in the fog that pressed close against the windows... I could see nothing of the city. Nothing but the soft, swimming white mist which hid the black outlines of Skid Row. (laughs) Funny thing, you know? Some people can get out of Skid Row, but Skid Row will never get out of some people.
1: The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and directed by Richard Sanville and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Bill Boucher, Vivi Janis, Verna Felton, Edgar Berrier, Peter Leeds, Nestor Paiva, and Paul Dubov. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Durant. Be sure and be with us again next week when Philip Marlowe
7: says... This time there were five masks, one for greed, one for cowardice, one for cruelty, and one for deceit, and they all covered a murder, but it was the fifth mask that really counted because it uncovered the killer.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll tune in again next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Seanwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and
0: presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air.